lift our hands to Jesus alone and worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is a great privilege, a great blessing. We thank you. But blessed is the man whom the Lord causes to draw near. Blessed is that man. When God causes us to draw near, it's a blessing. Thank you for this blessing, Lord. He malabori You are worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised. He Let's worship him for some few minutes tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise, Lord. You are the mighty God. The great I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the mighty God. The great I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you are the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you are the Prince of Peace. And the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, you are the mighty God, the great I am, hallelujah. 
You are the mighty God, the great I am. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You are the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that makes this heart adore you, Papa Fella, spent with you. Let's take it again, light of the world, everybody. Light of the world, you step down into darkness, open my let me see. Beauty, beauty that makes this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. You are together, love. All together, work. All together, wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon the cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that Let's sing it from our hearts. All together worthy, all together wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon the. I'll never 
cause to see my sins upon the cross. Holy Spirit, come, come in power. My life is yours. My life is yours. Holy Spirit, come. Start a fire. My life is yours. My life is yours. Holy Spirit, come, start a fire. My life is yours. My life is yours. Holy Spirit, come, come in power. My life is yours, my life is yours. As the Father says, here I am, send me, here I am, send me, Lord. Oh, here I am. Send me, here I am, send me God, oh, here I am, send me, here I am, send me God, oh, here I am. Let's lift our hands to the Holy Spirit. Me, here I am. Send me, God. Oh, here I am. Send me, here I am. Send me, God. Oh. Father, tonight we are here. Start a fire in our lives. Start a revival fire in our lives. That which will catapult us into mighty soul winners. Start a fire in our lives. Like the fire on the day of Pentecost. That turned timid disciples. Who were hiding in an upper room. Out of fear. Into bold. Bold people declaring the gospel of Jesus. Start a fire in us like never before. Release a fire upon our heads like never before. The Bible said there were cloving tongues of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Father, let each of us here receive an impartation of fire. 
So that we will leave this place empowered like never before. Release us, O God. Release us out of the shackles of deception and the shackles of darkness into the harvest fields of the world. Release us, Lord. Release us in our souls. Release us in our bodies. The things that hold us back this evening, Lord, by the power of your word, let them be broken so that we will rise. We will rise, oh God, and step into the harvest fields, bringing souls to salvation. Tonight, open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please, you may be seated. It's a great blessing to be here tonight. I, um, when I was thinking that I remembered Eugenia, Reverend Dennis asked of um, her, and then uh, a pastor also asked of her. We have, um, we are, we actually having three nights of evangelism in our church, the whole church, so all house churches all bus centers, and all floating house churches. Um, Floating house churches are made up of members who are in a place where we have not yet started house churches yet, or bus centers yet, like resident ones. So what we do is that they meet on WhatsApp and other other platforms, and that's how their shepherd um, discusses materials with them and praise with them and all that. And this last month we did it. This month all house churches, bus centers, floating house churches are meeting for three nights and um, they are reaching out to their communities. Everybody and you are supposed to bus people to church this coming Sunday. That's what they are supposed to do. They are supposed to bus people to church because every farmer, when you harvest souls, you need to take them through a process or to a storehouse to preserve your food stuffs or whatever you have harvested. And the church is that process or that place where the harvest of souls can also be preserved. So we believe that after these three nights of evangelism, everybody in the church must bring somebody to church. So this particular Sunday, we are having it's like a, like what Bishop Doug will call a great invitation. You are supposed to bring many souls to the Lord. That's what we are doing this week. That's why she's not here, because she's in charge of um, the campus bus center. So she has to be there every night. Amen. Tonight, I want to share something that uh, has really blessed me. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, O God. 
Um, last night we saw, like uh, Reverend Dennis was giving us a, a recap, how the ministry of reconciling people to God is not just a preserve of a few people, as many people um, tend to live. Even if they don't believe, that's how we live. We live as if so winning is for just a few people. But it's not. It has been committed to everyone who has been reconciled to God. Everyone who has experienced the word of reconciliation has been commanded to preach the word of reconciliation. And so, it's not a preserve of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And in the New Testament, everybody is called into the ministry. Everybody Everybody is a priest. The church does not struggle when we are told about our royalty and the great things we have received in Christ. You know, that has to do with dominion and power and riches and glory and honor. You know, all these things excite us. But when we begin to talk about how that we are also priests, a lot of people begin to react in a certain way. And it's all because the enemy has deceived us. The enemy has deceived us to think that um, we must only enjoy the kingly side of the finished work of Christ. Praise the Lord. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse, 7, uh, verse 3, I'm sorry. Verse 3 and verse 4, it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them. Amen. So every time we are dealing with people coming to the Lord and the gospel being preached to the lost, we are actually dealing with blindfolding powers and spirits. And um, many a time, we only focus on the blindfolding spirits, which are actually deceiving spirits. To be blinded is actually to be kept in the dark. It actually means to be deceived or to be destitute of the truth. To be kept from knowing what the truth is. So the Bible says that we are dealing with deceiving spirits when it comes to the lost. And many a time we only focus on um, the lost being blinded. And the lost being deceived. You see, which we always talk about. Tonight, I'm, I'm supposed to talk about how we need to pray for the lost to be saved. You know, And I believe that Jesus made a very profound statement. He said, how can the blind lead the blind? He said, if a blind person leads the blind man, the both of them will fall into a ditch. 
as I meditated on the word of God and as I prayed, in fact, the whole day I've been meditating, and I felt the Lord this time was laying on my heart so strongly that we need to pray as believers against deceiving spirits that have entered into the body of Christ. In fact, it is one of the major reasons why a lot of people are not being saved. Because we, the church, have been deceived. Seducing spirits are influencing us. Deceiving spirits have taken over our lives. And Jesus says, when the deliverer needs deliverance, then the one who must be helped cannot be helped. When the person who is supposed to lead the blind man is blind, they are heading for destruction. Therefore, it is important for us to deal with our blindness. It is important for us to break the powers of deception that take us captive as a church. And that is, I believe, one of the first warfares we must engage in. Because we are in, we are in an end time warfare of deception. An end time, and you see, I'm not talking about false prophets who obviously are teaching things that are contrary to scripture and is so clear. I'm talking about those of us who are on the right track, those of us who truly believe the truth, who know Jesus for real, and yet we have been deceived. That's what I'm talking about. And, and I think that that is one of the greatest attacks of the enemy on the church. The deception, the blindness, you know, he keeping us from looking at things the way they should be looked at. And from seeing things the way they should be seen. Now let's, let's, let's go back a little in our Bible studies. You know, just remember when Jesus was around in person, physically. The, the, the church leaders of the days, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees. I mean, these people were so... They had a certain zeal. You know, they had a certain passion. And they had a certain um, commitment to certain things that they were supposed to do. But Jesus always spoke against them. And Jesus always spoke about their hypocrisy and their blindness. So, and Jesus said, because of that, they are unable to establish even one soul in the kingdom. Because even if they go a great distance to win one soul, that soul will become worse off than he was met or she was met. So, we have to be careful that we don't become modern day Pharisees and Sadducees. Because that's how the enemy will fight the church. Deception. And I tell you, and I know Reverend Dennis knows that, and you know that, 
that ladies and gentlemen, seducing spirits have entered the church. And we have been deceived. Pastors and everyone in the church, we've been deceived. And tonight I want to talk a little about that deception. And I believe that should also be one of our main areas of warfare. Oh yes. That God will open our eyes. And you find Jesus, every time Jesus goes, heals somebody on a Sabbath day, saves somebody on a Sabbath day. These church leaders had a problem with it. And he started questioning their thinking. In one place he said to them, how think ye? I think I've preached that message here before. How think ye? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them is gone astray, how is it that you people don't see that he's supposed to go after that which is lost? What is your thinking? So immediately Jesus diagnoses that the thinking of these people have been affected by seducing spirits, which they are not aware of. So they are not thinking the way they should. They are not analyzing things the way they should. You see... He, he, he goes to be guest with the sinner and they begin to criticize him. And he says, the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he was amazed that they couldn't see it. And they were the church leaders of that time. They couldn't see. So today, I always tell them in the church, when we read the Bible, we talk about the Pharisees and the Sabbath. We have become modern day Pharisees and Sadducees. It's true. We have been deceived. We have been engulfed with hypocrisy. Because how can a man say he believes that Jesus left everything and gave his life, sacrificed everything, Died on the cross, saved to bring salvation, and has committed this particular task to that man. And he says he believes it, and yet he wouldn't let go anything to get it done. It must be hypocrisy. It must be hypocrisy. I read a story of a great athlete who was talking about Christianity. I've forgotten the name, but I read it in a book many years ago. And he was surprised. This is what he said. He said, it just came to mind. It's not part of my preparation, but it just came to mind. He said, he was surprised that Christians claim that Jesus is the only way. And that if People don't go on that way. If you miss that way, you are actually lost forever. Do you know what he said? He said, if he is the one who truly believes that and, and he knows that, then every other person who is not on that way is lost. Then he would actually give up everything and go anywhere just so that they would hear it. So he really questioned Christians who said they believed. That you guys really believe this is the only way and this is how you live your life. That was what that athlete was saying. He was a retired athlete. I read it in one of the books of uh, is it John Stott or something. Yeah. Forgotten the name. 
was making reference to him. I was saying, no, 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 no. You people, you don't believe what you are saying. That Jesus is the only way. And this is the only way. And that if people are not on this way, they are damned. They are doomed. He said, I will give up everything. If I truly believe that like the Christians, then I would give up everything and go anywhere just so that people would hear. That's what he said. So you see, we said this only, but do you know, we live as if every way that anybody is on is right. Probably they are okay. Maybe because they have a good job or they've been to a good school. Is that a way? You know? So, so when you look at our lives, we have actually become modern day Pharisees and Sadducees. And the scribes of, of those days, we have just, you know, we have just been reborn as it were. <laughs> Amen. That is so true. And, and you know, I just read a scripture that said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Bible says they are blinded. They cannot see, they are lost. Now, in Romans 1, 16, which we already know, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because I know that it is the power of God to every, uh, for salvation to everyone that believes. Now, that means, that means, if we truly preach the gospel, we have no idea the power of God that will be released. The power of God that will be released. The power of God that will be released. You see, if we want to see the power of God, let's preach the gospel. Bible said, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. And we are talking about, if our gospel be here, it is here to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them. That believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, how does that light shine? When we preach it. When we preach the gospel, Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. He says, when we preach that gospel, it is the power of God. In fact, the Bible says that the preaching of the cross, even though it's is that foolishness, but that's what actually is the key to the salvation of the world. So you see, sometimes we have become, let me say this, you know, we have become so affected by the world and the systems of the world that we have become ashamed of the simple gospel. It's called the foolishness of preaching. The preaching of the cross is foolishness. You see, we have become so, so much um, blessed, successful, prosperous as a church that we have become ashamed of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And we wouldn't preach it. And we have become so politically correct, ladies and gentlemen, like the Pharisees, that we have overlooked the power of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ that is able to destroy blindfolding spirits that is able to destroy powers of darkness and release the lost into salvation so we are very sophisticated look you can meet a christian who is who can 
who can prepare a whole document and present it to the World Bank and everybody will get up and clap. But he cannot present the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody will clap. Everybody will clap. Good at our work. Good in our offices. Good. Very good. One day I had a church member. He came down from America. Graduated from Cornell. No, Columbia. From Columbia. Worked with top financial institutions in America. He was tired in America. Decided to come to Ghana. Now, before he came to Ghana, he, I didn't know him. I had a vision. And in the vision, I saw somebody like him in our church. So, a brother who was his friend, they were secondary school mates together, just invited him to our church. And he came. The first day I saw him, I said, that's the, the guy. I saw him in a vision. And I knew God had a purpose for him. So, I mean, you know, he was in the church for, for quite a while. And then, later on, he started getting closer, closer, closer. And I decided to talk to him about the work of God. You know, how he needs to win souls and how he needs to do all that. And, he, I mean, he, that it could resonate with him. You know, he could, it was clicking in his heart. But, I realized that he was so much into the world. When I say the world, I don't mean sin. You see, the Bible says that the things that affect us, I'll come back to this story, the things that affect us in our race, it talks about sin and weights. Sins and weights. For a lot of Christians, the enemy, especially when you're a mature believer, well-discipled, the enemy may not get you a lot of times with sin to slow you down in your race. Because you are able to recognize it and even if you fall, you confess your sins and you repent and you return to the right. But many of us will be hindered by weights. Weights are not necessarily sins, but they slow you down and they make you ineffective and they make you unprofitable. You know, Jesus spoke about the unprofitable servant. What did he do? The main thing he was supposed to do, he hid the talent. Do you think that guy was idle all the time? No. He was busy in the marketplace. Kept it. Didn't do anything. Jesus said, unprofitable servant. Now, so this guy, this uh, uh, American, tired in America, decides to come to Ghana, start his own business. First of all, he decided to work with a company here from America. An American company came to Ghana and was working with them. And then I started... Talking to him about making time to win souls and making time to serve God and all that. As he excels in his career and all that. At some point, he was so overtaken by his passion to achieve in that American company. And everything I told him, he wouldn't listen. At some point, he got offended. I'm saying something. Got offended. That I was telling him. To be more focused about the kingdom work as he excels in his career. You know, Jesus said, this ought you to have done, not to leave the other undone. So he's supposed to excel. As a believer, you're supposed to excel because the spirit of God is in you. But, and I'm coming to the deceiving spirits very soon. Watch this. But he was supposed to make time and serve God and advance the kingdom of God. And he got offended. 
And he started avoiding me. Look, the, 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 the head of the company will fly down, meet him. So amazing. I mean, this guy was just excellent. He was doing so great. He literally moved the startup company. That, of course, it was a startup in Ghana. He pushed it single-handedly into something great. I kept telling him, look, it's good to work hard as a Christian. You must have that ethic. It's good to excel as a Christian. You must have that. But you need to reorganize your life so that you can make time to serve God. You need to put systems in place. He wouldn't listen to me. Then suddenly, look, he, wa- he could leave the office at 2 a.m. So passionate. Suddenly, he started developing heart problems. Strange headaches. Strange headaches. And he would call me because even painkillers were not helping him. And I would pray with him. And every time I prayed with him, he would say, Pastor, every time you pray with me, I feel good. I feel okay. Eventually, he couldn't take it anymore. He had to leave this company. Please follow me. When he left the company, Reverend Dennis, and they wanted to employ somebody to replace him, they employed this guy, so brilliant, and he couldn't do the guy's work. So he said, I can't do this work alone. They employed another person. They said, I can't do this work alone. And they employed three people to do what one person was doing. I was amazed. And I said, so this gentleman could work so hard, was doing the work of three people, couldn't make a little time to serve God. Can you imagine if he had died from that particular heart problem and head? He's still alive anyway. Can you imagine what his life would have been like standing before the Lord Jesus? You did the work of three people building an American company. What about the will of the Father? What about the will of God? And that was what I was trying to push him to do. You know? And so, and so, my, that's what begins my message now. You know, the gospel is so much power. How come people are not being saved? Now the reason is very, very simple. I think it's very simple. Jesus said, the harvest is truly great. But the laborers are few. You know? So we are always praying for the harvest. But Jesus gave us another prayer topic. He said we should pray for the laborers. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. Now when you read that particular scripture, you, you think immediately maybe that God is going to send laborers. From where? From among already existing Christians. When we pray, God will destroy the power of deceiving spirits and blindfolding spirits from their eyes and suddenly they will see the harvest and they will come in. They will come into the harvest. So when he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. You see, one of the areas of our warfare is deceiving spirits against the church. That makes us so worldly and causes the love of God in us to just evaporate. Everything evaporates. It evaporates. And that's one of our areas of prayer. One of our areas of warfare. 
overcoming seducing spirits and deceiving spirits against the church, against Christians. Praise God forevermore. Because we have a lot of Christians in Ghana here. You know, and I must say that in as much as I believe that churches must be started everywhere, and I still believe that, and I want churches to be started everywhere. There are so many churches in Ghana now, but I must say that a lot of these churches are filled with people who were already in other churches. And this, because, especially in Accra, especially in Accra, and bigger cities, because church has now become a fashion, rather than a lifestyle. You know, so you find people, which church do you attend? It's about, it's about looking nice on a Sunday, uh, which church do you attend? You have to mention the, the most trending church in town. You know, so the church is made up, most new churches springing up are made up of aggrieved, discontented, dissatisfied, and most especially insubordinate church members of other churches. Yeah. Yeah. Most especially. Most especially. Oh, yes. So we think souls are being won, but it's not true. It's not true. You see, if five people leave this church, three people leave that church, ten people leave the other church, ten people leave this other church, that church may have 500 members. It may still look like a big church. But another big church springs up, but it's made up of all these aggrieved church members. They are already filled with Christian jargons. They look like they've been around for a long time. Whoever starts a real ministry and the people around already know everything about church and about God. When I started my ministry, a lot of the people didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I taught them. I taught them that there are 66 books in the Bible. I taught them. Now, of course, I had people in my ministry who had been Christians before. But I'm talking about nowadays how, you see, so don't let us be deceived. By the many churches we are seeing everywhere who look, they look like mega churches and it's like God is working, God is moving. If you don't believe me, go. If you can, if you just ask permission from Reverend Dennis for two weeks and go around. <laughs> You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. Insubordinate Christians who are feeling new churches. There's a new man of God in town, then they are there. They will, not, they will not submit. Then another one comes up and they are there. And then it's like there are mega churches everywhere. It's not true. It's not true. So a lot of us Christians are actually not winning the lost. We are actually not winning the lost. We are actually not reaching out to the lost. And it's because of Seducing spirits, the spirits of the world have siphoned the love of God from our hearts. Siphoned the love of God. In First Timothy chapter 4, please follow me now. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us today. Help us, Lord. I'm just sharing from my heart. I pray, I pray that you catch something. 
First Timothy chapter 4 verse 4, verse 1, sorry. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, expressly, clearly, that in the latter times or the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So one of the demons, one of the groups of demons we'll be grappling with and warring with in the latter times, ladies and gentlemen, in the church, because it talks about people who are in the faith, are seducing spirits. We'll be dealing with seducing spirits. The word seducing there also means deceiving. Deceiving spirits. Deceiving spirits. Now, what will these deceiving spirits do? What will they do? If you just want to answer it straight away, you will say that they will just blind us from the truth. Which is true. That's what they will do. Just blind us. So when you, when you look at the seven churches, the, the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, these are all supposed vibrant churches, and yet Jesus had a problem with all of them, except one. Or maybe two. It's true. And sometimes I fear. I fear for myself, and I pray for myself. In First Timothy chapter 4, Jesus said in verse 5, I don't want to read all from verse 1, but verse 5. He said, perverse disputings of men. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 6, I'm sorry. Chapter 6 from verse 5. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. And destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. He said, from such withdraw thyself. Now please... I'm going somewhere. I'm talking about worldliness here. I'm talking about worldliness. And when I talk about worldliness, I don't mean that, you know, like, we are dressed like the people of the world and we are, we are just chilling at Usu all the time. We are, you know, when we talk about worldly people, that's what we think. But a lot of us in the church have been affected by the spirit of the world. You remember the children of Israel. What did God say? God said, let, let, let my people go that they may serve me. And they were in Egypt. Egypt is a type of, a well, of the well. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Egypt is a type of the well. And what did Pharaoh do? A type of that. What did he do? Pharaoh said, increase their bearings. Increase their tasks. Give them more work to do. So that they wouldn't think, please listen to this, he's still using the same strategy now. So that they would not think of such a useless thing that they are going to save their God. Pharaoh does not respect your calling to save God. Those of us who think that the world will automatically organize your life in such a way that you will have time to serve God. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It will never happen. Pharaoh does not respect that. 
Pharaoh responds to the power of God. Pharaoh responds to a determined person who is ready to go. Pharaoh tells Moses, who are those that shall go? He said, oh, Moses, he told, uh, Moses, let only the men go. Moses said, all the women and the children are going with us. And not leaving anybody behind. We're not leaving anybody behind. Pharaoh doesn't understand. Oh, a lot of Christians are very soft with the world. Thinking that, oh, one day our work will somehow allow us to make time for soul winning. Oh, one day our schedules will somehow allow us to make time for the work of God. It's never going to happen. You have to make it to happen. Oh, yes. It will never happen. If you are thinking of that day, forget it. It will never happen. So, when the multitude of the disciples was multiplied in Jerusalem, there arose a murmuring of the Christians against the Hebrews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Immediately, Peter could discern that out of this good work, Satan was planning to stifle them from the main thing. So, what did Peter do? Peter said, that we will not leave the word of God and say, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, such as fear God, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what, what do we glean from that particular scripture? What we glean from there is that you must put systems and measures in place. So that the multiplying of your duties and responsibilities do not keep you from doing the main things. Oh, yes. Otherwise, you would have yourself to blame. Oh, God understands. You know the nature of my job. Today I'm here. Tomorrow I'm there. Really? They were so, you know, and, and the children of Israel were so affected by Egypt. Please, if you think that the world will not enter your heart, then you don't know you are dealing with deceiving spirits. You are dealing with strong deceiving spirits. That can make you a real church member to become worldly. You'll be surprised. So, on their way to the promised land, the Bible says physically, they were going. But in their hearts... They turned back into Egypt. Why? Because Egypt was still there. The power of Egypt was not broken. It was still in their heart. They were thinking about the flesh pots, the onions, and the garlics. They were thinking about it. And that's what is happening to the church. And the Bible said, seducing spirits will enter in the last days. And what would they do? What would they do? They will make us to suddenly begin to look at the blessing of God only in a certain light. When there is gain. When somebody is gaining materially. When somebody is increasing in goods and wealth. When people are testifying of God's blessings in church. We say God is in that church. God is in that church. God is blessing us. He said everybody in the last days will begin to attach God only to material blessing. Only to things going well physically and materially. And he said it's actually a deception of the devil. 
It's a deception of the devil. You see, when I preach like this, people think that, oh, I don't want them to... No, 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 no. Look, I believe in good jobs. I always pray for my members. They know it. And when God reviews something, I tell them. Some of them, just a text message. Then they have a call. They have a good job. I believe in good jobs. But I'm very much aware because I've seen so many young people. When I was on campus, I was a student, Christian leader on campus. I've seen so many people who look like they are Christians, but they don't do anything for God. They don't do anything for God. And when you preach, they find it very strange. You know, then you realize that there's a problem in the church. Problem in the church. So he's talking about the last days. And he's talking to one of the, one of the youngest bishops, Timothy. He's advising his son. His son, Timothy. And of course, still writing to the church. And he's telling that Timothy, one of the spirits you'll be dealing with in the last days. As the first bishop of Ephesus, as said, you'll be dealing with seducing spirits. What would they do? When they enter, when they enter, they will begin to, I mean, go to chapter 6, go to chapter 6 from verse 5. They will begin to make people feel that gain is godliness. He said, no, withdraw yourself from things like that. You see, when God blesses his work, of course, it results in material blessings and all that. But material blessings in themselves do not mean that God is in a thing. That's not what they mean. That's not what it means at all. He said, they will begin to equate gain with godliness. He said, be afraid of such a, such a teaching. Because it's from demons. They are doctrines of devils. That make us to think that only, like, God is only in a thing when there is physical gain. Oh yeah. Because look, people do great things for God and yet they suffer perils. Perils. I have read about missionaries. Who have done great things. That are hidden apostles. People we don't know about. They've never seen a, driven a car before. They've never driven a motorbike before. But some of us who drive some of the best cars. I tell you. You will not come near them in eternity. You will not come near them. When they stand in their glory and in their riches. You will not come near them. They may not have a name here. But they are great. They are great. And this is what we need to be aware of as a church. As a church. Because we are deceived when we have testimonies of opportunities and open doors and breakthroughs. And we think God is with us. God is with us. God is with us. But God is screaming and we cannot hear. The liberals are few. The liberals are few. The liberals. Where are the liberals? They are in church. That means not everybody in the church is a liberal. But he said we should pray. Pray about what? Pray against seducing spirits, deceiving spirits, so that the laborers will be sent into the fire. So, withdraw yourself quickly. Let's go to verse 6. Then he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, Paul is, telling, Paul is teaching Timothy to overcome these spirits. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. This is scripture. Nothing. You can carry nothing out. Nothing. You won't carry it out. Nothing. You can't carry it. You can't carry a house with you. 
You can't carry a job with you. In fact, when you die, whilst they are planning for their funeral, they are interviewing people for your role. He said, you can carry, for we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we will carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Is the pastor saying we should just look for food and raiment? That's what I'm talking about. But you see, he said that in as much as God is going to bless us materially, we must have this heart that overcomes worldliness and materialism. Because materialism is a spirit. You see, the greatest enemy of faith is materialism. The greatest enemy of faith. And I'll prove it to you from scripture. Over the history of the church, one of the things that shifts the focus of the church, kills the fire of the church, is when, first of all, people begin to prosper. There's nothing wrong with it. Prosperity is in the finished work of Christ. Material blessing. But then, the material blessing becomes materialism. Then you see that the fire begins to wane. The focus begins to shift. The church begins to sway in another direction. That's why we need to be aware as a church. Because he did that to the children of Israel. On their way to the promised land, their hearts were in Egypt. Their hearts were in the world. And the Bible said, all those things were written for our learning. They happened to them, the Bible said, for an example. That it can also happen to us. That we can also become worldly. can also become worldly as a church. We are dealing with spirits here now. We are dealing with spirits here. Amen. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But, but they that will be rich, but they that will be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hateful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. They that will be rich. It's not talking about those who become wealthy, but those whose heart will begin to be overtaking by materiality, by materialism, and the things of this world, and the commitments of this world, and the, and the responsibilities of this world, they that will be rich. You know, the other day, Jesus explained to the disciples by saying clearly, those who trust in their riches. So Jesus is not against riches. God is not against riches. Otherwise, Jesus will not become poor, so that will become rich. But we need to be careful. People tell me, when people teach a lot about materialism, when, when the church becomes materialistic, we always explain it by saying, Jesus spoke a lot about money. When people are teaching only about money in the church, and we tell them, why do you only preach about money in the church? Jesus spoke a lot about money. Then one day I ask somebody, it's true, but what are the things he said about money? Most of the things Jesus said about money were warnings. Read the Bible well. Most of the things Jesus said about money were warnings about money. It's true. And warnings about the things of the world and material things and treasures of this world. He's not against them, but he's telling you the power of these things, how these things can replace the love of God in your heart. You will suddenly become a Christian who doesn't have time for this. When we are going for evangelism, you think it's for these uh, people who don't have anything to do in the church. They don't have work to do. They are the ones who have time to go. Me, we know we are busy, you know. That's how we think. We are deceived. Materialism, that's that. 
I hope you are not offended with me. <laughs> for the love of money, for the love of money, so he's explaining this further now, is the root of all evil, which, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. I wish we, the men of God of today, would just hear verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee the deception that tells you that gain is godliness. Oh, yes. You see, we are the ones who have even... Um, um, somebody comes to the church. Somebody comes to the church. And they are a little blessed materially. And we even give them the impression that, you know, you, you, God has called you to just keep, you know, when we are going for evangelism, you know, you are not part. It's like, they are busy. We we'll even send people, go to their house and pray with them. Businessman, go and pray. It's like, you don't come. We are going to, uh, to go and preach. No, no, no. You are too important for Agbogloshi. You know, then it's like, we the men, uh, the, the CEO of so, so and so is a member of my church. When I meet them and they talk about us, I say, so what? There are people in my church I don't talk about. With the CEO of this one, and so what? And so what? What does it achieve? CEO who cannot preach the gospel. Ah! <laughs> oh my God. Ah. I tell people. That if they listen to some of the things I'm saying, they will know what is called the real blessing of God. We don't know God's blessing. The blessing that you have to chase if you make time for God, it won't work. Is that blessing? No. No. We are talking about supernatural forces working in your favor for your prosperity. Job was the greatest in the East. He was like a prophet. He made, he always sacrificed to God. David was one of the blessed people in Israel. You are, are you busy? David was so busy that Absalom took advantage of how he didn't have time for the people. Absalom took advantage of him. He said, if I was deputy to the king, I will make time for you. My father doesn't have time for you. And yet this busy man would always talk about God. Would always be in the presence of God. If you are too busy to pray, read your Bible, work for God, do the kingdom work, then you are too busy. Then you are too busy. You have been deceived by the spirit. Of a, the world. A spirit of this world has deceived you. I'm telling you the truth from my heart. From my heart. David was so busy. So busy. So busy. He said seven times a day do I praise you. Seven times a day do I praise you. He talks about the testimony of God on his lips. David will always boast about his God. David will always declare his God among the heathen. David will always declare his faith and his belief in God. He comes on the scene, this uncircumcised Philistine, and he wouldn't keep quiet. This was David. This was David. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness 
and godliness and faith, love, patience, meekness. Praise God. Praise God. So what are the deceiving spirits we are dealing with? The spirits that make us more worldly than godly. Bible said this know also that in the last days, perilous times or dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. So he's telling us, these are the spirits we'll be dealing with in the church in the last days. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of themselves. Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. Then he says, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of Oh, yeah. So gradually in the last days, do you know what is going to happen? The enemy will siphon the love of God from our hearts. Not by a demon who has a horn like this. What he's going to use is simply the spirit of the world. Materialism. Gradually. Gradually. It will be dying. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6. Yeah. When he said, no man can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other. And Jesus talks about God, and he didn't talk about the devil. But then he talks about mammon. Yes, he talks about mammon. He didn't say you cannot love God and the devil. He said you cannot love God and mammon. What Jesus means is that the tool the devil will use is mammon. That's the two. The spirit of money. The spirit of the world. That is what will simply replace God in your life. It will replace God. That's why you cannot serve God and mammon. He, could have, he should have said Satan. Or he could have said Satan. You cannot serve God and Satan. But he's telling you the major tool the devil will use. Reverend Dennis, our churches are filled with people who are doing great things in the world. But very little for God. They don't have time. They don't have time. They don't have time for God. And you see, if you, if you think I'll come and tell you and say, you will one day get time. It's not true. You make it. Peter said, select seven men. Put systems in place. So that you can make time and win souls. You can make time and, and share the gospel. You can make time and pray. You can make time and fellowship in God's presence. You can make time. What I'm doing now, we are, we are actually fighting spirits. We are dealing with spirits right now. That fight the church that we don't know. That's why the laborers are few. The members of churches are... You know, I, I, I said that because we don't even know whether they are Christians or we are Christians. But let me, let me phrase it better because that may offend somebody. The Christians are not few, but the laborers are few. Jesus are not few. Where are all of them? They are all under the influence of deceiving spirits. Everybody wakes up, goes, and everybody is doing something. But why not the main thing? We don't do the main thing. We don't care about the main thing. And, and he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. If it is not a spirit we are dealing with, if it is not Satan who is holding them back, why would we pray for him to release them? Because there are controlling spirits. They are very subtle. They are very subtle. We may never see them. But they come through mammon. 
That's what they do through mammon. You see it as work, but Satan has trapped you. Because instead of having power over your work, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now your, your work has hijacked you. Now your business has hijacked you. The one who bought you with the price has no more control over your life. Is it not a deceiving spirit? Is it not a deceiving spirit? Oh, that, oh, that we workers and businessmen will all be soul winners and people working to expand the kingdom. I guarantee you, the heaven will open more for material blessing. God will so bless us because he will see that we are men who know the purpose of money, the purpose of open doors, the purpose of his blessings. Because kingdom wealth is for kingdom work. Amen and amen. That we know the purpose of his blessings. Nothing will hinder God. God will so bless us. We shall not have enough room to receive. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Let me finish with Matthew 6. My time is up. Let me finish with Matthew 6. We are dealing with deceiving spirits. These are deceiving spirits. They have, look, they have, Reverend Dennis, I think that pastors, we are the worst affected. Hey, it's very serious. Today, when, when I'm in the midst of pastors, you don't know whether we read our Bible or we don't. You don't know whether we read our Bible or we don't. Today, I, 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 I've observed something. I may be wrong. God forgive me if I'm wrong. But I've observed that a lot of pastors today, mommy, they don't like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They think they are teaching deeper. Now, I believe in deeper things. Deeper things. I believe. In fact, one of the things God has blessed me is the spirit of revelation. He shows me so many things from scriptures. So many things. So I'm not against, you know, some of the things that maybe I can't teach about wealth. Or you should hear me teaching about. The other day I was invited to the men's camp. I was talking about wealth and giving and all that. I mean, God has blessed me with understanding. But I realize that everybody who struggles with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus, one of the things that can happen to you is that materialism will take over your life. Yes, because, look, the words of Jesus are so powerful. That they deliver you from materialism. They deliver you from being a certain type of pastor. Hey. I've read the New Testament several times by the grace of God. But sometimes, sometimes I can stay with Matthew for three months. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's so powerful. Never stops impacting your life. When you hear the words of Jesus, beware. I mean, these are powerful words. That deliver you from things that, you know, when, when uh, Rick Joyner went to heaven in, in, in his vision that he wrote about, he met Apostle Paul in one of the visions he wrote about. I'm referring to the vision. So I'm not saying that. Somebody may say, but is that vision true? I don't know. But I think it's true. Because when I read his books, I think it, it agrees with the word of God. Amen. So in one of the visions, he met Apostle Paul. Do you know what Apostle Paul said to him? Reverend Gabi, have you read that book? Apostle Paul said, one of the things that amazes him is that people in, in our church today have exalted his words above the words of Jesus. And that they should exalt the words of Jesus. Of course, the words of Apostle Paul were spoken by the Holy Spirit. 
but they were his words inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says that they have exalted his words above the words of Jesus. You see, the words of Jesus, they look very simple. Mm-mm. Jesus said, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, how can you understand all parables? The parable of the sower, the day you understand it, the scriptures will open up to you like this. I'm telling you the truth. When you understand the mystery of the heart, this is where those people, for example, who say that when you are saved, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, no, 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 no. They don't understand the place of the heart. There's a place of the heart. The heart of man. It's very important. That's why even though you are born again, your heart... Your heart can be wrong. So Jesus talks about the heart. If you understand the heart, then you appreciate the place of being transformed by the word of God. It's not that you are just saved and anything. No, no, no. When you say that, you don't understand the complete revelation of salvation. Yeah. You understand? And, and you can only have these encounters, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, in the Gospels. But you see, the Gospels are such that because if you are going to preach the gospel, what are you going to preach? You are going to preach about deny yourself. Take up your cross. Modern church, we don't like it. But these are the keys to blessing. These are the keys. And in Matthew says, Jesus talks about the all-time single key to material blessing. He talks about not seeking all these material things. Did he say don't work? No. But don't let them become your main or your ultimate reason for living. Make the kingdom your ultimate. He said he guarantees you that all these things will be added to you. That's what he said. That all these things will be added. Will be added to you. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody wave your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. There are so many things on my heart. I need to just control myself. Amen. Verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else... He will hold on, he will hold to the one and despise the other. So he's talking about masters. Who is your master? He says you cannot serve God and mammon. A lot of us, Satan will not come like this with horns. No, you have been saved. You will never submit yourself to him. But do you know how he will become your master? It's through mammon. That's how he will become your master. You would never recognize it. But gradually, what will happen? Bible said, in the last days, because iniquity shall abound, Matthew 24, the love of many shall wash cold. What is iniquity? Iniquity is simple definition is inequity. Twisted truth. That's what it means. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. When they twist the truth, Bible says because iniquity will abound or lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wash cold. The love of many will wash cold. The love of many will wash cold. We will become people in the church but we are not on fire for God. Why? Because we have been overtaken by Things. Things. We don't have time to pray anymore. One day I entered an office. We needed a venue for church. I met a man in the office. He said, who are you people? He said, we want this. He said, oh, when I was in the SU days, I used to be like you people. He said, we've done all these things before. I was sorry for him. You've done it before. What about now? What about now? What about now? What has happened to you? Is it because you had a good job? Is it because you were the head of that institute? He was the head of that big institute. We wanted a place for church. Ha! Huh. What happened to your SU days? Do you know what happened? That's what I'm telling you. Mammon has taken over the spirit of the world. 
Satan will never come with horns. If you're a Christian, you will recognize him when he comes in such plain manifestation. Not physically like with horns, but things that really identify him. Like the devil will not really come and tell you to start drinking or whatever. Some do anyway. But many a time you will reject such things. You see? But he will come to us in things that are like weights. We don't see them as things. And that's how he will gradually steal our heart. You see that now you don't really think much about souls. Now you don't think much about the things of God. All your SU days are dying. All your heydays in your faith are dying. It's dying. Since you got that promotion. Since you got that opportunity. Every day you are in a meeting. Every, I'm not saying the meeting is wrong. Don't get me wrong. Please get the spirit of what I'm saying. The spirit of what I'm saying is that these things can steal the love of God from our hearts. And we need to beware. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't say everything in one day. But I want us to pray. The one prayer Jesus told us to pray. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. And this time we are praying for ourselves. That God will deliver us from seducing spirits. Oh yes, it's true. Shall we please be on our feet as we close? Amen. Please, how many of you understand what I've shared with you tonight? Please, you do. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now, let me also, how many of you agree that what I'm saying is true from the word of God? Amen. We need to pray for ourselves. When we think about warfare, we only think about those who are lost. We, is, we always pray for them, but we should pray for ourselves. He said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will release the laborers into the harvest. They are around, but they have been deceived. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. So tonight we are praying to the Lord of the harvest, that he will break the power of deception from our lives. That he will release us from the spirit of the world. And give us the wisdom and the grace to begin to reorganize our lives. Many of us here must begin to reorganize our lives. So that we can be available for God's higher purposes. So that we can be available for the expansion of God's kingdom. So that we can make time to reach out to the people we work with. And not only be in secular meetings with them. But suddenly we will put measures in place. So that we can reach the loss. That we will not accept any excuse that tells us that we are so busy. That we have this and that to do. And for that matter, we cannot really serve God's purposes. We are telling God to release us. And to set us free from such spirits. I want you to talk to God tonight. I want you to speak to God tonight. Deliver me from the spirit of the world. Deliver me from seducing spirits, oh God. For I am your servant, have mercy on me. For many a time, oh God, we are deceived. We are overtaken, oh God. Shabahanda lakatosh. The spirit of the world gradually seeps into us. And siphons our love. And Lord, you said if we love you, we should feed your lamps. 
The reason why we don't win souls and feed them or disciple them is because all our love is finished, Lord, it's finished. It's finished, it's finished. Because the spirit of the world has so entered us. Our love is finished. We are in church, but we are no more on fire for you. We are in church, Lord, but we are not obsessed with what you are obsessed with. We are so involved in worldly achievement and we are so involved in fame and glory and material things, Lord. There's nothing in our hearts for the kingdom. We have a name that we are alive, but we are dead. Tonight, Lord, you have the power to deliver us. You said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Mazeria makitos mandara kasida. Tonight we pray, Lord. Deliver us from seducing spirits. Deliver us from mammon. Deliver us, Lord. We stand in your presence. Have mercy. For the harvest is great. But the laborers are few. Real churches need to be planted. Pastors need to be delivered from the spirits of the world. That we can refocus once again. On real ministry work. Father, we have replaced the gold in the temple with brass. It looks like gold, but it's not gold. We have replaced the gold in the temple with something that shines like gold, but it's not gold. Lord, have mercy and deliver us. Open our eyes. Destroy blindness. Somebody pray from your heart and from your spirit. Cry out to God. We are under attack as a church. We are under attack. We may not know. For in the last days, seducing spirits will enter. Maliko Bahadesh. We plead the blood of the Lamb. We overcome seducing spirits. Warring against believers. Warring against the church. Deceiving believers. Blinding us from the need to reach out. We overcome them by the blood. We consume them by the consuming fire of God. Let your fire fall tonight. Deliver us from seducing spirits. Deliver us from deceiving spirits. Spirits of the world. They have deceived us. They have deceived us. They have deceived us, Lord. They have deceived us, Lord. We have equated gain to godliness. Tonight set us free. Open our eyes that we may see. Anoint our eyes with eyes salve. Lest we sleep the sleep of death. Manda ho shakash. Cause us to see, O God, that if we will pursue the kingdom, that if we will seek first, that if we will give preeminence to your higher purposes, 
to the things that follow us after life. Treasures in heaven. That if we will seek these things, that you, Lord, that you, Lord, will so bless us that the world will be dumbfounded. Like you made Job the greatest in the East. A man who pursued the purposes of God. Doing us. Doing us. This great work. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Dear Lord. In this place, heal us. Heal us from this blindness. You said, who is blind like my servant? Lord, we are blind. Even though we call ourselves pastors, we are blind. Lord, we are blind. And you know we are blind. And we know we are blind. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. You said to the, the church leaders of the day, because you are blind and you say that you see, that your blindness will not be healed. Father, we don't say that we can see. We say that we are blind. Because seducing spirits have deceived us. A lot of our members are not involved in soul winning. A lot of our members have also been deceived through our teaching. What sort of pastors are we? Have mercy on us. Deliver us. Deliver us. Holy Spirit, God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. My life is yours. My life is yours. 